Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode, the official first episode of an Asian anthology. Woo! Uh, so thank you so much for, for watching this podcast. Uh, so today we actually have two very special guests with us. Um, we have Gaia as well as Angela. Woo! How's life? So for many, for, for those of you who don't know, uh, we actually all went to high school together. However, uh, we just haven't really seen each other that much. I mean, I've seen Gaia because we are in the same program together, but Angela, how have you been? Yeah, I feel like I just haven't talked to you, Albert, in a while besides hearing from whatever you and Wendy do at like, UTSC back then. Um, yeah. I've been okay, just you know, pandemic, so I moved back home, Toronto, Okay. from Waterloo, um, yeah, finishing up my last semester in sports business and HR, volunteering cool. with, like, some, some, like, non- not-for-profit organizations. Mm-hmm. She's busy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a, um, are you, yeah, kind are of. you graduating soon? Yes, in, what day is it today? The twentieth, thirty-four yeah. days. I will be finished. Ooh. Wow! Yeah, we got a countdown. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it down my calendar, like countdown. Oh. <laughs> so because of pandemic and lockdown, they weren't gonna do in-person grad pictures. So we actually had to like pay fifty dollars to take our own photos to send it in for them. Oh. So now that lockdown's lifted okay. a bit, like they're doing in-person grad photos. I'm glad i mean grad photos weren't really a big deal for me but i'm like i wasn't gonna pay 50 dollars to take my own photo and send it in mm-hmm. yeah but general yeah how are you oh it's good actually talking about the grad photos actually this monday this past monday um so our university was actually um it wasn't promoted heavily but uh they were holding in-person graduation photos so guy and i actually decided to go as well mm-hmm. as with one of our other friends um and we did take our graduation photos it was a really nice day because it was like the graduation photos mm-hmm. only took around 30 minutes but i spent like a good five hours like just catching okay. up with Gaia. oh yeah. no. <laughs> no were you guys no. were you allowed like group group pictures no. Unfortunately, they were they basically said that uh, because, you know, the res- or the guidelines said that they couldn't allow for group photos. If they took a photo, obviously, we showed that they broke it. Right. So they were like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, under no yeah. circumstance, they could do it. Yeah. Which makes sense. But still nice. Um, you all planned it out around the same time. And then yeah. Each other. Yeah. I, I honestly was not that uh, because like you, Angela, I'm not that not that bent on getting graduation photos it wasn't really something I felt really passionate about but then I got on a call with Albert because I was telling him about the fact that the uh, studio was actually going to do shots for us uh, since the school had opened back up and then he called and he was like okay so you know let's do it and then (laughs) And then I, I think we were on call for almost like 30, 40 minutes. And I was just like, okay, damn, it seems uh, Albert and our other friend was going to also take the photo. So I, yeah, I, I said, sure, why not? It was such a nice day. I really loved yeah. it. It was good weather. And it was just really nice to have that, you know, it's, it's, it's an excuse, uh, excuse, right, to be on campus again and then to be able mm-hmm. to just kind of sit with a friend and talk. So yeah. it was really, really nice. Yeah. I miss the UTSC campus after I yeah. left. <laughs> Honestly, it's pretty dead, it, which is, um, it's both good and bad. But yeah, it was, um, it was an experience <laughs> to 
to say the least. Reminiscing, you know, the pre-COVID days and, and yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we did. We passed by uh, each other in the hallways and in class and yeah, yeah, we walked around the valley. So then um, it was really nice because then it kind of brought back the old memories, right? Um, doing that before pre-COVID, and it, it was only crazy. It was really crazy because then um, in one of the hall meeting places, they were actually filming something. Or I don't know what it was, a TV or movie, Ooh. but they set yeah. up a whole FBI office bureau looking thing inside the meeting place. Yeah. Future yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. I love seeing I had those Albert, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I had really Albert cool. take a photo of me like moving one of the pens. So then I, I told everyone, I'm just like, listen, if we ever come across the show and you see like a red pen, like move to the side for the like whiteboard, I basically started the film. That, that, that's what it means. <laughs> I, 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 part kidding, in it. I was just, oh, yes, exactly. I was like, this is my step in or like my foray into industry of like film. Yeah. That being said, um, we'll talk more about our high school experiences because I feel like this kind of plays a role into our situation. But as what we hinted in our introduction video, today we will be talking about something relatively heavy and uh, something really pressing that's affecting the Asian community right now, which is the hate crimes that are currently happening within uh, the Asian community in both the United States as well as in Canada, as well as in many parts of the world. Um, so as we all know, like the recent attack, which happened in Atlanta, Georgia, where eight people, where eight individuals died, six of which were Asian. Um, I just wanted to check up on you guys. Like, how is your mental health regarding this? Or mentally, how are you feeling regarding this? Yeah, I can start. Yeah, not gonna lie. Like, today it's better. Like, this morning I was able to do, like, more admin foundational stuff because the last few days was just, like, bummer like so was like the rest of our community in the asian like mm -hmm. community yeah like really low energy from like tuesday till friday today saturday tuesday till friday mm -hmm. i don't know just can't wrap my head around things and the word one word i was speaking with some friends and then one word is like i'm still i guess like processing what mm -hmm. happened because it's really overwhelming right especially on Wednesday um like looking through Instagram when everyone's posting which is great like showing awareness of what happened everyone's posting about it but at one point it's just like everything coming at once it was really overwhelming mm -hmm, to definitely. a point where I'm just like I don't even want to like go on Instagram or post anymore so I was having an internal battle like should I post all this because it was just like adding a lot to on my pile my mental health but at the same time I'm thinking you know, in the past when I post about like showing awareness and and teaching others, like I have gotten responses to stories, like comments like, oh, I didn't know this happened. And so like in the past, I guess, because when I post and spread awareness, like I know it reaches at least like one person and one person still more than no one, right? So yeah. I brought myself to like posting some and educating and spreading awareness to the tragedies and and then it's, yeah, just like speaking with more people in the community and also having like it's nice to have friends check up um mm -hmm. on one another even it's just not like wanting conversation but still like message like hey you don't have to reply but if you do want to chat about like anything like i'm here which is which is great and then today when my mind's a bit more like clear and process things like i was able to bring myself to like donating to like these like GoFundMe pages and other foundations because I didn't want to do it in the past few days because my mind was just like a fog and I, I didn't yeah. I don't 
like doing like admin and all that stuff my mind's like not in the right place so this morning was it's better and now speaking to you guys and catching up with you all and seeing all your lovely faces really really brightened my my week so yeah it's, that's good it's to better hear today but yeah definitely i feel like for me personally um the past few days have i feel like i've had this like kind of surreal feeling as well as i just like this feeling of numbness i don't know it's just like when you go through instagram it's like it does get overwhelming as what angela you said it's just like story after story it's just like you're just being like bombarded with all of these facts and like these news that are not positive they're very negative and like it's it's really disheartening to see that in 2021 like mind you it's like 2021 that situations and issues like this is still happening to the like to our world and our communities but yeah i feel like taking some time off of instagram and just like social media in general and just like taking time to process it and talking with individuals who are feeling like the same experiences that you're feeling such as you guys um it's i feel like it's a healthy way in processing it as well as dealing with the emotions that are currently like building up but yeah, I mean, uh, Gaia, how about you? How have you reacted to mm. like this phenomenon or these events? Mm, for me, it's honestly the, um, it's, it's relatively similar like that, like that numb feeling. It's just, um, you kind of get desensitized. It's just like infographic after infographic of all this information. And the thing is, um, we've been through this very recently with the whole BLM protests and everything, right? And it's just, it's so, it's, it's, I don't know, like the frustration and the anger, it's very, con like, consuming, right? Because you just see um, all these people raise their voices, but yet still, like, nothing happens, right? And it's just another continued persecution. But now, with the huge wave of hate crime, it's this, the community that's affected right now is the Asian community. And that's what, I'm, I don't know, it, 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 it just pisses me off because um, it kind of feels like we're just kind of going in circles. Like, again, we're, everyone's gonna have the outcry, but the thing is we're not seeing enough actual change being done from yeah. actual government, like admin, who can affect serious and widespread change. It's mm -hmm. the onus shouldn't be on us as citizens. Like, obviously we have to like rally together and do something and, again spread awareness stop what you if you see something like this happening all of that but we can only do so much for me what um genuinely out i i was really really pissed when the uh the police officer was i forgot the chief commissioner whatever the hell his title was when he was giving the press conference about the terrorists because it's called you know a spade a spade he was a terrorist when mm -hmm. he gave the press conference on this terrorist he said he was having a bad day and oh, that yeah. just yeah. I, that that genuinely i i don't know i just remember um everyone was like oh the anger right it's just like a bad day the way he said it just felt like you know oh his his mental health you know he was having a bad day so he just went out and did something so horrific and it, it, it was it was nice because you could just see like on twitter everyone's like yeah when i have a bad day i i don't know i i, I go to I go to like McDonald's or something and treat myself. Yeah, yeah. get some ice cream. What the fuck is this? Okay, when I have a da bad day, I just sleep all day. You know, yeah. I kill people. Exactly, exactly. And it just, it, it irritated the hell out of me because like you just again see again and again the forgiveness for 
people who, again, these are people of Caucasian descent who perpetrate these crimes. And it's just the same, same cycle of like news and everything where they just, they, they give this like good image almost like, of course, like they'll show um, the perpetrator from when he was in high school and his grad photo smiling, happy, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to give like almost a justification saying, oh, he was alone in class or like he was on these websites and they just really radicalized him and made him like this. None of that's an excuse, right? Yeah. But then again, it's the same thing that's being regurgitated every single time something like this happens. And yeah, that's what my, like, honestly, it's, um, it's just hard. And yeah. seeing that, right? Obviously, I can't relate to the same fear because for me, what really scares me is, um, of course, we're lucky in Canada; it's not as bad, and especially in Toronto because we're so multiculturally, like it, we're like a multicultural city, right? It's not as concerning or pressing that something like this could happen. But the fact that this happened means that threat is there, and I have multiple friends who are of like Asian descent, like East Asian descent, right? The specific group that's being targeted right now, and it it's it's scary because then I just think you know they're on their they can be do something where they can just be going to work whatever it is like if they work in like a public space if something mm-hmm. like that could happen yeah I, yeah that's what terrifies me more so because then their day-to-day experience now is crazy like, super affected I can at least still walk outside and I know I won't be targeted because of this reason yeah uh, yeah yeah for me I never felt racism like you said because we live in a very multicultural area, I I never felt any racism like at school or anything. Sometimes I would get like, like growing up, I felt like a little shame of like my Asian stuff. Like for example, like when I go on like TTC. Yeah, okay. One of the examples is school lunch. Like I remember telling my mom, I don't want to have dumplings for lunch. Because, like, it was in a thermos, and then when you open up the thermos, it would have, like, this, like, kind of stench, and I was kind of embarrassed of that, so I asked my mom to make, like, sandwiches, like, how other people are having, so that's one example, and then my other example was, like, I feel like I'll still do it to this day, and I think maybe I, I need to change this, but, like, when I take, like, the public transit, and my parents would call me, they speak to me in Chinese, and in the transit, sometimes it's quiet and I feel embarrassed speaking Chinese back. So when my mom's talked, like speaking to me in Chinese, I would speak English through the phone and she wouldn't understand, but I would like talk really slowly in English because I don't want people around me hearing me speak Chinese. Yeah, no, I feel you too, Wendy. Like, cause for me personally, like when I am in public settings, right? Um, I'm more comfortable speaking to like, the elders in my family in Tagalog or like the Filipino language and yes I do see myself like unconsciously like lowering my volume whenever I talk and I feel like it's not it's what it is for out of respect because like you don't want to be screaming in public transit but also at the same time like I don't know it's like um, I don't know internalized racism I don't know how to explain it but um, I am trying to fix it but yeah I, I do like I have instances where I have experienced that in the past but yeah, I mean, going back to what Gaia said, um, talking about how the like how the media they try to like they try to like garner sympathizers for like primarily white individuals for situations like this, and I feel like that's a hundred percent white privilege. Because like I was I was looking through I was looking through Instagram the other day, and like one of the posts, it was very like it really spoke volumes because it said like. 
for people that are not white, it's really easy to give them, like, it's really easy to label them as menaces to the society. For example, if, like, an Arab person were to conduct a shootout, for example, we would automatically call them him, like, a Middle Eastern terrorist, right? And for a Black person, if he were to do a shootout, we would just say that he's part of a gang. However, for a white person, when he, when he like, decides to shoot up, like, for example, what happened in Atlanta, Georgia, he's, like, a complex individual who has emotions, who just had a bad day, who is, um, who, ha- who had a, like, a troubled upbringing and who like as Bagaya said they're like, the only ones himself. being humanized in the media yeah which is so yeah. irritating because in the end of the day they killed people like regardless of race regardless of like their motive they and in the end of the day they killed people therefore they should all be treated the same way right mm-hmm. but yeah it's um that's that's one of the things that made me really pissed too but um, before we before we go any further, I do want to disclose uh, that uh, the things that we are going to say in this podcast it is not a it's not a blanket statement and it does not represent the entire Asian community. This is purely based on our experiences and our anecdotes. So um, if there's anything that you do want to um, to inform us or would like to educate us further, please do not hesitate to connect with us on Instagram as well as our other social media platforms as well as comment down below on our. Uh, YouTube. But continuing on, um, I feel like we can just continue on with our experiences. So uh, I feel like as minorities, although we do live in the most um, culturally diverse city, uh, I personally have felt uh, racism or some form of racism. But how um, have there been any instances among you guys, specifically Angela or Gaia, that you've personally felt racially attacked? Um, for me, I, I wouldn't say I ever felt, um, like, you know, a full-blown, like a full-blown racist, uh, comment or anything like that. If anything, I would kind of categorize it as microaggressions, as I call them, or maybe they're not really aggression, but it, well, yeah, I guess you could say like microaggression, where it's just kind of offhand comments people would make. Uh, and it just, it's, you know, these comments, I'd internalize them. And then of course, like, as I grew up over time, it's just, they, they stay there. Right. So I, for example, small, like the school lunch thing, right. Um, yeah. I can definitely, I a hundred percent relate to that when I was younger, Albert and I had this conversation when we were catching up on Monday. Yeah. Uh, I remember in like middle school and like, uh, elementary school, I'd ask my mom, I'd, I'd always just kind of say like, why did you give me this for lunch? You know, like when I open it, it, it smells like the curry or like whatever it is. And I, and it's, and, and it's, it's a, even because it's so flavorful, right. It has a strong scent. So, um, it would, it would be more noticeable sitting closer to me. And I remember how I, I used to open my lunches as a kid is I would kind of open it like this, where it's only like a tiny bit open. And I yeah. kind of like take a small bite and then close it again because I didn't want the smell to come through. And that, I, I it sounds really shitty to say, but that's how I used to act because I was just so, I, I just didn't want those like, you know, maybe a side stare by some other kid who was just like, oh, you know, that kind of smells, blah, blah, blah. But then it really pissed me off. I was just thinking, I really deprived myself of really good food my mom made yeah. for life. And I, I willingly opted for nasty ass cream cheese bagels and basic sandwiches with like cheese and ham. I really sat there. I looked at really good like biryani, like all this good food. And I just said, no, I have to adhere to these little snotty nosed little kids and like smells and just eat nasty bagels like the rest of them. Like they would bring lunch mates to school. 
and, it, and I, I I didn't realize how lucky I was until I saw stuff like that where it's just you know their parents would just give them lunch made or whatever my mom like spent time waking up early in the morning so she could make food and give it to me and how lucky I was to have that kind of home-cooked meal but yeah. you know stuff like that but also small comments like as I grew up for example um my hair I I recently started getting more into my hair but in uh high school you guys all knew me I always had my hair straightened for like I think like this next like yeah for like almost like the entirety of the high school uh period and of course I could really damage my hair all that stuff but then for me it was just you know I wanted to kind of conform to that standard like having like curly poopy hair it gave me more of a present like a presence and I didn't want that I felt like it was like an outsider kind of presence and I didn't want mm-hmm. that so I kind of straightened it more and all that and it's only as I grew older that I started kind of think reflecting on these thoughts I've had and I realized oh this is you know, probably internalized racism. It's those comments that have been made. It's like, oh yeah, your hair kind of looks like a poodle today. Uh, things <laughs> like that, that I, I just realized, I'm like, wait a second, that's not okay. <laughs> There's yeah. no, they, they shouldn't have to comment on me like that. And then uh, I've been kind of trying to re-embrace those things, you know, eating my food more openly, not having yeah. to straighten my hair now and just trying to take care of it as it is in its natural state, things like that. But overtly, I wouldn't say I have any big experiences, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Angela. Yeah, first, like, commenting on what you mentioned, Guy, it's, like, a lot of these smaller things growing up, we think that it's, like, our fault, like, it's up to us to fix it, but in reality, it's, like, society that puts that, kind of those, like, lunch smell, all that, that shapes us into these thoughts, rather than we thinking it's our fault now, in light of everything, like, we're coming to recognize and appreciate and value um, our culture, our traditions, and all that. But speaking personally, I actually had a conversation with a few of my friends in America recently. I, I feel a bit confused because you hear or you read on social media, or at least I, I have like quite a few friends in the States about speaking about um, when they're in school, like they're getting bullied for their race and lunch and stuff. And I personally did not experience like those aggressive racisms right I feel that like we're privileged and lucky to live in an area where walking on the streets it's safe like we're not like yeah just like walking home at night one thing I I said was you know when I walk home late at night I'm fearful because I'm like more so like a shorter younger female rather than like I'm Asian yeah so um, that's why like I'm a bit like personally confused because I I can't really to a point like can't really fully empathize with some of my friends who have experienced like racism bully shoved in locker like taking away lunch money and all that in like San Fran or Seattle America um like the personally posted this on my story recently is like the one thing that I will remember always remember was when I was traveling alone in Vancouver and then these two um, white males came up to me and at first like they asked me to help them take a picture and like, I did and they started engaging more conversation with me um, and asked me you know that phrase like where are you from so my instinct is like Toronto because I was born yeah. and raised here in Toronto and they're like <laughs> no where are you really from I'm like oh like, I'm from Toronto I'm traveling it didn't hit me that they were trying to get to that like deep-rooted question and I'm like oh yeah I'm traveling here I'm from Toronto and and then the other guy says like no no like where are you really where is from and i i caught up and i got fed up that i went like yeah. my parents are from 
China, but I'm from Toronto. And then they're like, oh, and then they want to take a picture with me and, and kept and oh and Ew. yeah, yeah not, what like, is this like, that's weird not that's relating so to racism weird. but i cannot stand like cigarette smoke and one person was like mm-hmm. freaking smoking and i already was like in a comfortable situation i was, like, kept walking away you know they kept walking they're like oh can you help us take a picture again because this one didn't turn out right and to a point i called up a friend <laughs> actually yeah. yeah anyways i called up a friend um <laughs> Who, and I was like lost for words because I was like scared. I just didn't want to be around them. Didn't want them following me. And then when I was calling my friend. I didn't know what to say. I'm just like stay on the phone with me. Stay on the phone with me. My friend's like, what's going on? But I couldn't really explain what's going on because these two people were in close proximity. So I just kept being like stay on the phone. Walked away. Constantly kept looking back to see if they're around. Thankfully, like they went somewhere else. But to that extent, like that was the most like racism experience experience in a way besides mm-hmm. like as guy mentioned the lunch the dumplings um yeah so going back to like confuse as in you see on the news like on how per capita canada actually um like asians in canada per capita actually what's oh, the statistic like experience more racism compared to oh yeah i did see that yeah and like Vancouver being the first in Canada, Toronto being the second. Mm-hmm. However, I don't really seen. I haven't really. Have you guys seen like a lot of this like scene or experience? I think it's due to the fact that we're living in a very Asian community. Mm-hmm. When in our high school, being Asian is the majority. If you're white, you're literally the minority. Like yeah. there was like in our class, literally one, two like sometimes zero white people in our classes, which was very rare. And for me, um, all of you guys said, we don't really experience those hard racist um, issues where you get like shoved into like a locker, get beat up. But for me, when I left out of our area, which is like the Scarborough area, when I was working downtown, I work in this place where majority of like the customers were white. And I remember this one situation, it was like my only experience I had. And it kind of ties into like, the recent news, like people fetishizing Asian women. So I was working as like a salesperson and this white, old white guy came up to me and I was wearing a name tag and he's like, are you Taiwanese? And I'm like, no, and stuff like that. And he's like, huh, I know a lot of people whose names are Taiwanese. And like, I had to like engage conversation with him cause like, that's my job. So then we just kept on talking and then he kept saying like, oh, he was like describing different races like features they had they're like oh like I noticed he was talking about how he used to have like an Asian girlfriend and how they were very oh, no. slim and like like the eyes of like different types of Asians and that was very uncomfortable and then yeah. afterwards he left and I told my situation with my friend and then he came back and then I just hid like I didn't want to speak to him yeah <laughs> you shouldn't like I'm sorry that happened you shouldn't feel uncomfortable yeah. to a point where you have to hide at your job from someone well at yeah. that point i felt like he was trying to flirt so then i don't know what his intentions so were gross. so it wasn't more it wasn't like it was like microaggressions of racism but it was more like fetishizing you i, I guess yeah, yeah. And that's that's a whole other issue too, was, yeah. the conversation was weird yeah. like, there was nothing to do with like the store and i didn't know how to get out of it but like i had to keep on talking to him because like yeah one of our unfortunate hell of customer service yeah Yeah. so yeah that happened that was like the only situation though 
Yeah. That I, I was going to say, yeah. uh, sorry, Wendy, I don't know if you want to con- like continue, like if no, you no, had any, no. okay. Uh, while you guys are talking, I realized um, I was thinking like overt racism, like examples. Um, I never really experienced anything because I was thinking locally, but then um, you guys brought it up. It's a very fair point. We live in an Asian community. When I went to Hamilton, my friends hoko we stayed for like two three two days two three days yeah mm-hmm. and so then um for the breakfast like the day we were leaving we just stopped for uh, breakfast at like this diner that's more out of skirts hamilton and not within the student community area it was still like you know bordering that area where mcmaster campus and everything was where that whole hub of students was it was just a little bit outside of it so we went to that breakfast diner and when we walked in we it was 100% all Caucasian people and it was just oh, us no. like the small group of minorities we walked in and you can definitely tell there were eyes on us and um what was interesting was that there was like a few empty tables like here and there at the front of the store what was crazy to me like I still have trouble processing this because I again we never faced this right um I, like I, I as a group we collectively have never faced something like this before they took us to the back area and the back area was kind of like closed by a wall too, like where like, like, so the cashier, like the, all the whole like front register, everything, the thing was at the front and there's just a big wall and they took us kind of around that and to the back, there was like a table and stuff. I guess, you know, we, I, we kind of wrote it off as them think, thinking maybe they just needed a bigger table to accommodate. They didn't want to move tables around. So they just kind of put us here since it was bigger. And then what was weird was that this place was pretty empty. Like we only saw maybe uh, three families, I think. And mm-hmm. even then they already had their food at that time at their table, they were eating. There wasn't like, we didn't hear really the bell opening and people going like, hello, welcome, blah, blah, blah. It was pretty quiet. Otherwise we were sat there. We had to wait 15, 20 minutes for a waiter to come by just to like get our order. And the thing is we were right next to the staff area too, where the kitchen was. So it was to the left of us and the staff can clearly see us sitting there waiting. And every time like some staff would like walk by, we tried to like obviously make eye contact and they just kind of pretended they couldn't see us. They kind of had tunnel vision. They just kept walking wow. and we waited 20 minutes. Yeah, we waited 20 minutes just to get our order through. And then when we finally flagged one of the waiters down, what we had to do, we had to get up and go to the front register. We're like, excuse me, we've been waiting here for a while. We'd like to order. So then we, she finally came around. She was like, okay, yeah, um, what do you need? And so we gave it to her and then we waited 45 minutes for our food like legit we waited 45 minutes and um all like one of my friends was seething like she was really pissed she's like we just should leave and all of us we were just kind of stubborn we're like you know what it's fine we kept trying to we kept trying to make excuses we're like you know maybe maybe they were busy they weren't used to handling such a big order from all of us but we waited so long and that nobody would come to like when we kept trying to like flag them out they kind of just kept walking really quickly past our table so we couldn't flag down to ask what was happening and then finally they came around and gave it to us it was uh a very annoying experience i i just oh remember like gosh. the whole the whole atmosphere felt kind of off yeah I, we did it was only afterwards like after the whole thing happened we were driving back home and we were just kind of like what happened did we really wait like almost like an hour yeah we waited like plus over an hour for the food to come and uh all of that like it was and the way we were seated and the way that they wouldn't talk to us look at us any of that stuff i really i genuinely think that could have been like maybe like the most racist thing i ever experienced now that like you brought it up but again it's because we we moved out of that asian community we were now in like the outskirts of hamilton which is very much objectively white Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i hope you guys didn't tip them did you tip yeah did you tip 
I tipped. Oh like, my god, you tipped. I tipped. I tipped. I tipped like ten percent. Ten percent. And then and that's because I was just like I didn't know. Like I didn't know what to do. And I we like as we were leaving, uh, like a, a good like chunk of my friends, like we tried to like make it like we were trying to like loudly speak to kind of show her. We were just like, yeah, that was very like ridiculous. I can't believe we waited that long. Blah blah. blah. And the waiters like didn't say bye or anything. Like as we left, they just like pretended yeah. they couldn't hear us. And I was just like, okay, well, all right, sure. I think like I feel like I don't know but I feel like if I was in that situation I probably would have done the same and I think it's mainly because of like that Gen Z mentality that you should like you know you should um respect your you should respect like service workers which you should by the way but like mm. when it comes to the point when you personally feel uncomfortable or you feel like there is some form of racism happening like if that like if that happened to my dad or like someone older than me in a different generation they would have walked out they would have um yeah. They would have like, yeah. yeah. They would have made a scene. They would have fought with the customer service reps. Yeah. 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 I don't know if this is a cultural thing or it's just a personal thing, but I don't like making a scene. So like, no, I that's have, a like, Gen Z thing. Yeah. 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 Um, I had like kind of the similar situation with Gaia, but it was in downtown Toronto, at like this um, uh, warehouse, which is like very popular. It's like cheap food, right? So it's really mm-hmm. busy, but like. I think we were the only Asian people. There was a lot of white people there. And then we also like waited like an hour before we got our food. And my cousin, um, she was very angry. She was like, I'm not tipping them, blah, blah, blah. But you know, I felt like, and she was like very mad. And she was like, complain to like the waiter. But I was Mm. like, you should just go. It's okay. We just don't come back or come on a different time. Maybe they were busy, you know, making excuses for them. But again, I don't know if it's like a personal thing. Well, thinking on that, it's also, it can also be, you know, culturally, we were brought up from our parents, and I know as a, like, uh, as parents who are Chinese, like, to show respect and to, you know, sometimes, like, silence and not make a big scene out of things when it's not, like, in our way, so I guess, like, when Asians don't try to make a scene or, like, bring up things and the society sees it as, like, weak in a way yeah. like if they can do whatever and like we won't complain if they even wrong us and um like when we are in places with like white or non-asian businesses like if they wrong us it's like okay they're not gonna bring it they're not gonna escalate and do like a lot of um yeah like they're not gonna escalate it because i guess part of it is just like we you know we see a scene our parents might be like okay like just walk by don't don't try to like don't try to catch fire on yourself and what's happening and then we're just like thinking back now it's not like I don't, wouldn't want to teach my kids that because by center effect it's kind of like silence when you, yeah. and when you're silent it means you're agreeing with like the bad thing that's going on mm-hmm. so yeah it's also uh what was the other one it's like going back to what I think like Wendy you mentioned about like the Asian uh, the, the old white male and his fetishization um thinking back to like some of my even like watching youtubes and even some of my friends who are like white males asking versus like asian males like why would you want why do you want to date like an asian female and then like my asian male friends would be like because like culture same like speaking with parents same cultures values and all that stuff but then thinking back when i ask a male friend that they like you know the difference when you ask the asian males like they can actually list the like what they 
Is she cutting out or is it my okay. internet connection? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, she's cutting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. No, continue. <laughs> Which part did I get? Which part did oh. you get? It was when you were saying when you asked your male friend and then it kind of froze for a second. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. I was just like wondering if it was my internet. I was like, oh, crap, I got to move is to it, data. Is it better now? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, better, it's better now. now. Okay, yeah. So I like reversing back to thinking about how when I asked like, um, male Asian friends and why would you want to why would your ideal partner girlfriend whatever want to be Asian they would say like because of values traditions you know similar language communication family but then when I asked male white white males they wouldn't give me like an answer it's just like because they're Asian which is like now I see it like that is a problem we can't list like that's like part of like white supremacy and emphasization the Asian culture upbringing which is like a problem and unfortunately cause the lives of like um eight people this week in Atlanta definitely um I feel like for me I mean I know that you've talked about all of our racist experiences that have been relatively outside of Scarborough but I've actually experienced racism within Scarborough um it actually happened during the pandemic which I was kind of shocked about so I actually go to this bakery um near my house and I, I go to this regularly right the people there are very nice. They're very, like, um, accommodating, right? However, while I was... Uh, well, I dress up really nicely now because um, cause it's like, you know... You always dress up nicely. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah. no, I... I, I, I but yeah, I dress up really nicely. So I was um, buying some cakes for my family and just, like, buying some, like, nice pastries. And then um, I was at the cashier, right? But while I was waiting in line, there was someone behind me that was, like... F- like, he physically looked, like, distressed. He also looked... Um, like aggravated um he was on the phone swearing and stuff like that and i was just like minding no business he was caucasian by the way but um i was like it was my time to like rig up all my stuff right so like the cashier lady she was so nice bless her soul right and she was really good at handling the situation but um yeah she was just like looking at my outfit she's like where'd you get that jacket we were just having nice conversation and i don't know i feel like i don't think it was a long time that we were just talking i was just like I quickly like paid my stuff right um and then she said one more question and then before i could answer the guy behind me who was very aggressive in the beginning like just threw his food on the counter and was just like i'm paying for this now and i looked at him and then the cashier looked at him and then we just continued talking right because like i needed to finish my response before i left right um but he looked really aggravated at that point and i don't know what, what he was on but like when i left I don't know if I I don't know if I was hearing things, but I did hear under his breath he called me a fucking chink, and it was um, I, I don't know it was just like the first time that I actually felt racism directly at me. So like in the beginning, I would kind of be like in a denial stage. I'd be like, oh, he probably didn't say that. He probably just said something else, right? But then as time get like as like I kept on processing the situation, I was like, wow, he actually said that to me. Mind you, I am a Filipino, so I'm not even Chinese to begin with. Um, so that just shows his ignorance. But it's just crazy to see how, like, how more bold like the like racism is happening. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just. I don't like I feel like we went back in time you know like it's like I it's like I've never like I feel like mind you we've always like all of us we've grew up and were raised in like a bubble essentially where we were taught like oh like there's like you step outside and there's five people that look like you so like there's no like it's safe right but you know like 
that that ex- like that instant experiencing like i mean that experience that happened to me it's just it was like a reality check that even in your own backyard that stuff like this can happen and you know it's like it's jarring to know that there are people out there that have the audacity to say stuff like that in public, you know, without like, and plus like cancel culture is like all around, right? Just imagine that person was filmed, right? Like he would have been automatically canceled and stuff, but it's just crazy to think how people, like how people act when there are no cameras and like, they know that there are no consequences. I don't know. It's just food for thought. I don't know, but Mm. yeah. Um, I will not say the location of the bakery because I do not want to get sued. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was like my reaction to it was, I don't know, like, I don't know if you guys experienced it, but when you first experience racism, you're kind of just like, you just laugh it off. You're just like, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, you know, awkwardly You make laugh. excuses for it, right? Yeah. And like, for me, I've like, you know how we talk about like back then, like in the beginning of this podcast where we talked about how we gave excuses for like white people, right? And how they like, I felt like I gave excuses to myself. It's like, oh, he was probably just having a bad day. Oh, like, um, like he probably <laughs> was not like vibing with the person on the phone. And I'm just like, it came to the conclusion that why am I giving this person excuses? He, regardless of his attitude or not, he shouldn't be saying stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, when... <laughs> Even Albert, when you mentioned like cancel culture, um, even when it is caught in the media, like as such the incident happened recently, there people are still trying to like make excuses and oh yeah, definitely this person. Um, and there's this post I read on Instagram recently. Like I don't know about you, but stuff like like racism or when someone's hurt, death. There's, there's no need to have a devil's advocate for it. Like, there's no both sides. Like, what happened? Like, terrorists, people die. Like, why are people trying to find, like, arguments to justify these actions when it's, like, right there in front of you, even before when we knew more about the, what the terrorist's lives was, what he was going through, what his name and age, than the victim and the victim's family and their yeah. stories, which is just, like, disheartening. Yeah, I mean, like, adding on to that, I feel like, I mean, like, it's okay to show their background, but why is it only to white people, right? What, like, if, for example, if a black person were to conduct a shootout, for example, why do we just automatically label him as, like, a gang member or, like, um, like it was poverty-driven, right? Like, we should, like, if we were going to tell the story of a white person, we should tell the stories of other people who have committed these crimes or not at all at that point, right? So it's just, like, like adding on to that i just feel like um i have seen this a lot on tiktok and on instagram too but like the media really doesn't cover like these asian hate crimes as much as it should right like i feel like i feel like in the height of the black lives matter movement and good like it's really good that there was a lot of media coverage and stuff like that that it came to the point where everyone was involved right however for this i just feel like it's like people are like stepping back i don't know i don't people know aren't as vocal yeah, they're not as vocal. Well, it goes also goes back to like how Asians were brought up to be more respectful, reserved. right? Like reserved, quiet, yeah. silence, and then people take that as like a like take advantage we, of this point. Yeah, like people are saying that Asians are more submissive, like Asian women is specifically. So you don't see as much people sharing stuff on Instagram or talking about it as much. Like mm-hmm. for me, I, I only really see like Asian friends 
sharing not as much as like like for the black Lives matter everybody was sharing um no that was um but that was very big that was um no it's not just that uh the black Lives matter a lot of those people who were sharing it they're just it was performative activism oh yeah like a hundred percent the the black square thing was one of the stupidest things i've ever seen Yo, someone tried starting a yellow square and then they got rising yeah that's yeah. No, but like the black square thing was so dumb because you know why? Um, people who I hundred percent knew they they were not this kind of activist or like who genuinely even cared about these kind of matters or had any awareness whatsoever of how um, you know the 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 life of like what it is like to be like a, a black person right, in North America and um, they would post a black square and be like you know hashtag solidarity and that was it that was the end of their activism because again it was all like performative and yeah like with the whole black lives matter thing i think it was just you know what um it was sensationalized because mm-hmm. already black lives matter was um it's very much like i um how do i say it's like unfortunately a huge controversial topic right so then of course the media is gonna um like dig its claws into it and really milk this out right because they're gonna mm-hmm. get viewership from both the people who are passionate about the movement who are like no you know um, we need to address these things as well as the same at the, by the same token you have the conservatives who watch it there's like oh look at this brainwash fake news media blah 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 right so they're just trying to get that that bait from everybody but exactly that's true though with the fact that with these the Asian hate crimes they're not they're not reporting it as much because they they know they're not going to get as much clicks on it because again it's true it's just um, it's it's that model minority thing right it's just that oh, this will kind of like pass over. This is like a one-time thing. And it was just, um, you know, they're fine. They're just, they, they, they you know, as, sh- as shitty as it is, it's just like, you know, there's no, there's no outbursts from that community. Like they'll, like, they'll, like, they'll kind of get over it, all that stuff, right? So then I think that's what, that's what, that's what makes the media pass over it so quickly. A hundred percent, like, you know, when I watch the news, I don't see that much coverage of Atlanta. Like, I'll see it, maybe they'll say it again in like the next hour. Like, you know how, how news cycles, they'll yeah. say it in like an hour or two later. But um, a lot of the information I get was straight up from like my feed and like what I reread in like articles that I had to actively search for. Same yeah, here, yeah. 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 You the, know what's it, so frustrating okay, is that although the mainstream out- media outlets aren't covering many of this. Recently, I think it was this week, one of the mainstream outlets I, I saw was that they covered like the former president of the United States talking something about like the Chinese virus. He's still using mm-hmm. that term despite everything coming up, which is just, oh, it's so like- I th- I- I think we should just write off uh, 45. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother. I'm not even going to bother yeah. saying his name. I'll just call him as 45. He's he's 45. an absolute idiot. They they, they don't need they don't need to give him but any. But why are uh, they still putting you like putting that on mainstream outlet rather than like, yeah. all this actual tragedies and stuff that actually needs light on it? Now I'm just like fucking angry. <laughs> no, yeah. that's 100 percent true. I, I was thinking about that. Uh, someone was a lot of people were actually voicing their anger about that. They 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 kept asking why are you guys like at the main media giants um they were just they were just unleashing their anger they kept saying you know why are you prioritizing clickbait and getting those clicks on your articles by giving him a platform there's a reason literally every single social media platform banned this guy there's a reason they did that <laughs> and the thing is the media just like ah crap we we lost our clicks for the day you know what we'll we'll give him we'll let him say his like you know mm-hmm. statement and then we'll just put that as our main title and get the clicks that we and need. that's feeding like 
all these like, conservatives more saying that it's okay to use that like Chinese virus and like kung, mm. kung flu the phrase that he uses and it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Funny. Also, oh. Yeah. What? Oh, sorry. No, oh. you go. You go, Wendy. There was like this article where it's like, oh, things you should know about like these rise of anti-Asian crimes, and then you click on the article. And you have to pay for it to like look at it, oh. but it's like you have the title for us to like. That title's like you read it. Obviously, you want to click and like no, but you have to pay for it. Like why? Yeah. Like I get now, it. We need to make like, money, yeah, like, but people are just using the unfortunate events for their own like advantages. Yeah. Which brings me to like, like as an advertising student, you see a lot of brands and companies come out with like statements of like oh we are so so solidarity with like asian people like what do you guys think about those brand Empty words yeah. Empty words 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. well it actually yeah. i feel like it depends the on the brand list, right no i feel like 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 i feel like for example if there was an asian based like brand or like uh or a company that is situated in a predominantly Asian community that does speak about this I feel like it's not necessarily empty words but of course like probably like big box stores that are doing oh, it just yeah, to yeah. ride the trend like honestly like because there are other ways right you can donate you can um, you can fund these GoFundMes right however instead like instead of just writing one single post on Instagram right without any resources for example like like how it doesn't it one like it doesn't help anybody. Second of all, it just feeds your publicity. And third of all, like in the end of the day, the problem isn't solved, right? So Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like, I mean, from like, from a capitalist point of view, it's an ingenious idea to do that. But thinking it back and like, thinking about the current situation, it's like, I feel like it's like what Gaia said, it's empty words. Yeah, like when I say empty words, 100%, I'm not talking about the small mom and pop shops, small business, all of that. I'm talking about the big corporations with, you know, established brands. They just do this because they they just don't want to get the backlash of being silent, per se. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of put out a vague statement that doesn't say too much. And it doesn't piss off too many of those conservatives, the ones who are just thinking, you know, yes. oh, why are you being such a snowflake? Like, you know, that's a favorite word to use, a sanction like that, right? So yeah. then um, we see this every time with uh, Pride Month. You know, every single logo, IBM, Facebook, all of them, they'll change their logo to like a little rainbow color. And then as soon as it hits, you know, June 30th, or sorry, uh, July 1st, they're like, okay, back to our normal yeah. logo. Like they just do it just so that they can kind of show they did it, but then that's it. There's nothing, there's no actual actions taken. There's none of that. For example, um, you'll see... Gucci, I remember Gucci, one of like more Gucci's, I, I feel like Gucci was under fire for one, um, they made like almost like a really offensive moniker, like, like this sweater that was kind of taking um, a really racist uh, caricature of black features. But then I think very recently it was also under fire because it was kind of appropriating something from Asian culture, whatever it is, all these things. And it's so annoying because you see these same brands that put out these bullshit statements, they'll monetize off of the culture of all these minorities but they won't mm. do anything about it. It's just, it's again, it's, it's money, 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 money. Nothing, nothing matters to them other than money. So they know that they're still gonna get uh, money and revenue by capitalizing off of these, all these other minorities and their cultures, but they're not actually standing with them or standing for them, any of that. Yeah. They're only here to see what can generate and churn out that profit that they need. 
Yeah. Oh, Angela, did you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, Wendy and I spoke before like a few weeks ago about how NHL just put out the vague statement with no like resources and actions. And then going back to your question, Albert, on like the, these statements, it's really like what they do besides the statement. Like, you know, mm. if they have start like initiatives that actually help and educate about all these like anti-Asian aid crimes or the Asian community and all that. But seeing recently lots of the initiatives and resources are like grassroots from community members rather than already established organizations with the connections and, and funding. And then you look back and you see like the management and all these like established um, organizations are like white people. So, yeah. Yeah. And Definitely. Yeah. It's like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I feel frustrated this week because it's like, we're not, we're not experiencing, you know, the same level of racism that like lots of our American friends are, but I still want to help. I don't know how to, right? Oh, Especially yeah. in the pandemic. And I, I messaged like some professionals and, and people in the States and I'm just like, I want to help. I don't know how to, you know, you see in Santa Fe, like lots of members are, lots of youth are coming out and like walking with elderly to supermarkets and like walking buddies to ensure that they're not, you know, not getting injured for doing unnecessary of um, buying their groceries. But then I think back like here, I haven't really heard or I haven't heard or seen, you know, elderly going to supermarket, walking outdoors and just getting shoved and pushed and murdered. So I, I don't know. I, I want to help. But I don't know how to, which is part of my frustration. Like I want to do something, but yeah. I just don't know how to. I feel like, I mean, for those of you who are watching, like correct us if we're wrong, but I feel like the most that we can do is just like, you know, like social media wise, just do as much as we can, like try to spread information. Um, and then like also just like, you know, um, keep in touch with the people that are currently being affected a lot. Just be like, just like kind of understanding their pain, being for them, being there for them when uh, they need an outlet to talk to. And just like kind of like um, continuously updating, like updating them and just like keeping up with their mental health and just see how everything is doing well. Because um, I don't know, like if, if that were to happen here, I just feel like one of the biggest things is just to not be a bystander. Just if you do see something like, and God forbid, something like that does happen within our communities and stuff like that, um, like stand up for them, you know, like, like if anything, if you are going to be a bystander, call the police or something like that, or like call authorities to, to like kind of, you know, just like try your best to mediate the situation and tr like hopefully it doesn't escalate, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely important. But I also think, you know, it's kind of tiring because we continue to check up with each other, but that does that decrease the crime? No, yeah. like these crimes keep happening. And all these stats are coming out of like almost 4,000 like anti-hate crimes in uh, in the States. And like, and even I know in Canada as well with reported, reported crimes, but what we don't know what happens after these crimes are reported. Like, is it just reported? Is it just another number, another figure, another report? Oh, yeah. Like do people do anything about this? Which is the, frustration of like yeah. okay like we keep doing what we can but it's not improving instead it's worse like it goes from like one grandfather getting murdered like slashed in the face to like 
a massacre like uh, yeah tourists like it, yeah it's it's frustrating mm-hmm. yeah. oh another point i was like i want to bring up is i'll speak because um, a few of my friends are like asian descent but adopted by white families mm-hmm. and then one of my close friends she's She's currently living in New York, but her parents are from Florida, and it's really upsetting to hear how she feels on that, like, as a transracial adoptee, when she goes home to Florida, she um, she gets glares and obviously unwelcoming, um, like, body language and, and language from their neighbors, and it's just upsetting how you're going back to your own home, to your own parents, to, like, close friends of your parents, and you're receiving those looks just because of your skin color yeah and yeah it's it's, yeah Yeah. there's a lot i want to say uh i'm glad you shared that post uh you know how you're saying it's good you're just thinking you know it's good to share this post because someone might see it just someone who might not have been aware i never really considered the whole transracial like adoptee experience Mm -hmm. that's Mm got to be really hard because you're always struggling with identity because you were not raised within the same culture that a lot of the people who look like you are and so then you you know you're juggling that you're struggling with that and then having this whole thing happen when you speak with your parents they really they don't have that they don't it's not a lived experience for them right they 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 no matter how hard like of course they can do their best to educate all of that but then the 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 raw connection there on how you know experiencing the same thing as what you normally have with your our parents that kind of thing uh, try, like a re- an adoptee wouldn't normally have so I think that was a really good point thank you for sharing that I was uh, yeah it, it, I was reflecting a lot a lot on that that's it, it's got to be hard but I'm hoping at that point these people that they, they at least you know if if they don't have like at least some friends they could talk to there's a lot of like online communities now I'm sure a hundred percent like I sit on clubhouse all the time there's always a room opening up discussing about what's happening right, right now with the Asian hate crime and more and more people are speaking up that I'm hoping that these people can find an outlet to kind of get some solidarity and like find other people to connect with on these experiences. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like circling back to what Gaia said about um, like corporations, for example, and influencers who do say empty words. I feel like um, what I've noticed specifically during the Black Lives Matter movement too is that cancel culture has a lot to play with it in that people like people are so quick to cancel people that they do these actions or like these um like these like these acts without even educating themselves just to prevent themselves from getting canceled right and at the end of the day they still get canceled too right and i just feel like like culture today i just feel like it just it prevents us from learning you know and like that's like that's the main reason why we started this podcast is to really just open a conversation and just you know like kind of like start a conversation and although like so like there are some topics that we are not unaware of are are unaware of or have not lived through at least this is a starting point for individuals to start that conversation right but yeah i completely like i just feel like everyone just needs to be more educated you know um and just like be like to just understand people more. I just feel like- Have more empathy. 
yeah to just have more empathy it's like talking about like for example like um like what angela and what gaia said about uh people who grew who grow who grew up in mixed race households right like they're often told that they're not white enough or they're not asian enough right and like there's that's that's an experience that for us personally we will never be able to personally deal with firsthand however it's our responsibility to educate ourselves and to understand like the reality of these individuals and to to be like a contribution to make the world a better place in the end of the day right um but yeah (laughs) how do you you all feel when if like you had the time to reflect on seeing some friends whether it's like on instagram or somewhere have the time to post their their food or their dog but never once oh speaking of which okay this pissed me off like i have a friend she's really nice she's like an influencer as well but she i noticed that she would post about her day and what she's going on and only once did she post about her and i know she has a big platform and it's majority like white people because she's white um but there's only one time she posted about like um one post about asian anti-Asian hate crimes because oh. and I noticed like because the post theme matched the color of the rest of her story and oh no that fucking like I kind of just want to message her call her out be like being like in a nice way being like oh and like I know she's a big influence like positive influence like maybe use that more instead of just posting something that's a uh, post that's pink because the rest of her feed and her stories are pink um, but yeah, like going circling back to, I've seen um, some friends that I follow that like, and some of it was like in pretty involved in my school's like CSA, like Chinese Student Association, that would post yeah. like, and all during this period. And I've taken notes that not once have they posted or educated, and maybe like they do do behind the scenes. They don't want to showcast it, which is like great. But then uh, it's probable probably that they're not doing anything active because um, of this like anti-Asian hate violence it just frustrates me like yeah. I, I yeah I feel like have you, have you all like felt or seen similar friends or followers like that I have and mm-hmm. I don't know I just feel like I per- like I would love I would love to like you know like inform them but I don't know like I just feel like I have that Gen Z mentality and I always like I'm scared to do that confrontation where I'm just like hi you're not you're like don't do that right like if you're going to do if you are if you like use your platform and you know like be more aware of the situation right but I feel like um what you said Angela that um I feel like it's really good to message them like it's really good to inform them in a nice way like not to provoke them and like not to be aggressive and be assertive. It's just, you know, like it's better, it's better to like approach them in a way that, you know, it's like, sorry, I don't like saying like a lot, but it's really nice to, uh, it's better to approach them like subtly rather than full on attack them and be like, or condemning them. Because I feel like we have that, uh, like a lot of people today have this idea that like if they have one, like everyone's scared to talk online and right now because it's such a sensitive topic, right? And specifically for the fact that your friend, for example, is white, I feel like she personally may feel like uninformed or uneducated on the topic. That's why she's very she finds it such a contentious topic to talk about. However, I feel like um, just approaching her in like 
a friendly way and being like, hey, you know, like, don't do, like, it's better for you to, you know, share more resources rather than just posting it because it looks aesthetically appealing rather than full on, like, don't do that. Like you're canceled and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Even when this other, I remember I, I was really mad that I like went on Twitter afterwards, but this one person was replied to my story, one of my stories being like, oh, I saw this coming a year ago with all these anti-Asian hate crimes. Yeah. And that was like, this person's reply and i'm thinking okay you saw it coming what did you do to prevent it and <laughs> i have to hold back i have to vent on twitter and i got to a response and i finally respond um or did i respond like i i just respond um what did you do to help prevent or minimize events and like i was going back and forth between like adding a smile emoji or not because you know like when you mentioned that gen z mentality of like it might come off as like attack your blunt and all that stuff but i'm like yeah you know like it's true it's raw so i, I didn't end up adding the emoji but i'm just like asking like okay you saw it coming what did you do to prevent this and yeah this yeah or like raise awareness about it right mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. To, it's just frustrating to for this one person to reply i saw this coming a year ago like okay do you want to st- star that you saw all these violence coming like what are you what point are you trying to get here you know it, it was like the way that he mess the way that he said it, it was more just like i told you so right instead of like yeah it does come off like a uh, sense like that yeah yeah um for me personally i feel like i've i have seen it but i feel like among i don't really follow that many like major influencers but i have seen a lot of my friends specifically like people from our high school who have been very vocal about it have been reposting have been doing their like due diligence to spreading awareness and stuff like that which is really nice to see um but yeah i do i have seen like some people who are specifically in the asian community who like i don't know how to put it but like i do see people like in the asian community that don't even share it like i would see their stories and it would just be like they would post a brunch pic and then they would show an outfit pic and then they would show like oh i got some new shoes and then like you would expect them to at least like have one repost right but there's nothing you know it's it's kind of disheartening to see that like I mean, like, for, like, just to preface, it's, like, they can do whatever they want with their social media. That's, like, that's their choice, right? But it's just, you know, it's, like, th- these are the same people that, as what Gaia said, like, posted, like, the Blackout Black Tuesday Square. or something like that. Yeah, the Black yeah, Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, like, I was going to say, it's these kind of people that I would be kind of shitting on for this. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. normal people, again, like, I, for me, I find the whole um, sharing that stuff. If that's, if that's not something you already actively do, and you know you're actually passionate about it just it just comes off across a performative right mm-hmm. so i i don't do the whole like sharing thing that's because like i like, you know i have these conversations instead and also because my platform's not even big anyway yeah so i yeah. i feel like it's and also for me my platform would be an echo chamber the people i follow the people who i choose to interact with are people who are already you know vocal not about it. They, and yeah vocal about it. they know what's happening yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, they are well aware of it so what I do is I just, you know, I keep conversations going, all that stuff. But then the people who do need to genuinely reflect on this are the ones who would post that blackout square thing. Are the ones who kind of just throw in, in between their bunch of pics, just like a little infographic just to be like, oh, yeah, you know, like I'm paying attention, but not that much. You know, yeah. those, those really, are the people, yeah. It's like, it kind of, <laughs> it's like, it rubs you the wrong way, right? It's kind of just yeah, like, yeah. it's like, who are, I mean, like, we're all trying to post like I feel like 
in social media specifically, we're trying to show like the best version of ourselves, right? But like, you know, in situations like this, I mean, like, who's really looking at your outfit, right? Where you can just, you know, share like at least one like statistic, right? That like, I remember that there's this one thing that I feel like a lot of people posted, even I posted, is that it was just like really impactful in that like, um, I believe as of Tuesday last week, there were over 900 assault cases in Canada alone, right? And most of them came from Vancouver. And it's just, you know, it's just jarring to see because like, you would always expect that Vancouver is relatively a multicultural like city, right? As well as like LA, San Francisco and New York, right? And it's just like, these assault cases that we hear of are from like these like mega metropolitan cities, right? Just imagine what the assaults are like in like the small towns that are predominantly white, right? Cause like, for example, I believe like in 2016, when I went to upstate Pennsylvania, like it wasn't, it wasn't even during the rise of the Asian hate, but like there were like white people, like we went to a McDonald's and like, we were waiting in line and then this cashier when it came up to my mom's turn she's like she started speaking english really slow mind you like my parents are my parents like are like their second language is english but they like they grew up in the philippines like learning english right everything is in english so i don't know i just felt like it was like degrading to hear her like speak english slowly and after that she would like my mom would like pronounce something wrong and be like what Oh, you mean da 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 da, right? And it's just like you understand, like you knew what she was saying. Like it's there was no point. Yeah. And then yeah. like it's not just that. I just feel like, and then when we were sitting down, it was just like, um, there was one family I remember that literally got like called her children and be like, "Come here, we're leaving." And they moved like down the like down the restaurant. And I'm like, "We're not gonna attack you. We're just here as a pit stop to our resort, like for a timeshore resort." It's like we're like it's, it's like these instances like this, right? Like these these experiences are not being are probably not even like because the fact that like it takes the murder of like eight people to be posted on mainstream media like just imagine the like the assaults that are happening in like these small towns like for example like in canada wise like for example like in saint Catharines or windsor or hamilton yeah. it's um they don't want to call it a hate crime. They just yeah, want to call wanna... it an assault. Yeah. Yeah. It's like turning it back to like the, what happened in Atlanta. It's crazy to think that like that chief police officer guy, he was like, he was trying to defend the fact that it wasn't racially motivated and that it was just like some guy that was having a bad day when in reality, like, I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, do you know how like there was like a Korean news outlet that stated that although like the, like, the, poli- the chief of police was, yeah, like the chief of police was just like, um, oh, it wasn't racially, like this wasn't racially motivated. Whereas like the Korean news outlet who actually had the time to interview like the the witnesses and like the victims, they, and said that he literally said, I'm going to kill all the Asians here, right? It's just like, it just shows like the media's ignorance and the media's like- Bias. Yeah, bias and inability to, you know, like take the time out and actually like, you know hear these people out i also like sorry i'm like on a tangent and like forgive me but um there's also like a video where do you remember like the the old asian lady that um got like stabbed in the eye after that then beat up his beat up her assaulter and like Um, yeah that pissed me so off like that pissed me off so much because of the fact that like um 
they were like taking care of this white guy like as if he was the victim right he was whereas like getting rolled out on the stretcher exactly yeah whereas like the only reason why they weren't attending to this asian lady is because she was just spewing because like a white she was, person got injured a white person got injured and she was speaking in a foreign language and they couldn't like yeah they didn't have the time or the effort to like find they someone like a bystander to be like yeah. what is she saying right like it's just so like it's so disheartening to see that like like How language it's people care yeah it's just like yeah i don't understand why like race or language has to be like a defining factor to like to make to make people care you know it's just like like they have to remember that most of the people most of like asians right the majority of asians that come here like I saw this on Instagram too, and it was like, I reposted this because it really like spoke volumes. It's just like, like the people, like immigrants, right? Asian immigrants, they choose to come to a country that is not their first language. And they, and they have the guts to work jobs that are in their second language, you know? It's like, what right do you have to like, for example, insult them on their accent or like, like do those microaggressions, right? But yeah, it's really disheartening to see like stuff like this where like they wouldn't even take the time of day to take care of you just because, you know, like there's a white person that got that got injured or um, they can't understand your la- your language, right? Yeah, I've watched that video a few times and yeah, even like the grandmother was by herself there, like defending herself. Yeah. And with like like you would see like four paramedics around the um like the white guy and and like like looking back you know yes the person was like handcuffed to his stretcher i don't know if you guys if you oh, all I see that, yeah. mm-hmm. but yeah. still like she's the one that's injured an eye where now like she can't even see in one of her eyes right yeah and yeah like they didn't give her somewhere to sit down she mm-hmm. was obviously hysterical after everything happened okay no you know, i'm not gonna use hysterical yeah, like, like that's elderly the wrong standing term. injured in shock yeah, yeah <sighs> like sorry i was wrong to say hysterical like she was just shocked like very like rightfully so after everything and she was trying to explain the situation and the paramedic lady like she kept trying to like calm her down and it felt very like condescending like you, you would yeah. think it's just like you know, it's just like you know, like okay, let's like get her a, a blanket, something. It's cold. She's injured. She's probably in shock. So you know, she's you know, what who, whoever knows whatever's happening, right? It's just comforting to have that around you. And the paramedics, I'm 100 percent sure they have that, but they didn't. They just kind of wheeled this per the, the assaulter, the attacker. They prior they prioritized him, like, and it was it's yeah. just so and irritating it's, it's, to see. He didn't even look all that injured like of course i don't want to say you know you have to look injured but like he genuinely like surface level compared to the grandma with like a like a pulsating red eye and again elderly which means that it, this yeah. had to have done way more damage than what you can actually see it mm-hmm. yeah it, it that was and, yeah those are one of the videos like the incidents i saw that really yeah. when, you, did you were you gonna say something Oh, I was going to add, answer your question that you asked us about, like, what do I feel about people not posting that much on Instagram or, like, socials, but um, kind of on the same page as Gaia, where, like, for me, I don't have a big following, and a lot of my stuff is, like, going to be echoed since we're all in the same, like, friend kind of circles, but, like, for me, I noticed, like, 
the people who just do it for like um what's that word you called performative performative activism like they're just doing it because everyone else is doing like I can tell sometimes like who's more genuine than other like some people care more and then some people are just reposting um for me like if you're just reposting um and not really adding your own input maybe it's not as like you don't really care as much for people who like add on their own like opinions and what they think I think they care more not saying like other people don't care but like some people also just like they they care but they just don't want to share I feel like and I feel like you don't have to condemn people who are not sharing like I remember like the Black Lives Matter um, a lot of people were like forcing some of the celebrities to post about the Black Lives Matter. I would prefer the celebrity to like genuinely care and like educate themselves and then have time to post what they want. And rather than like, oh, they're just going to post like what everyone else is posting because everyone's pressuring them to say something about it. And that, I feel like that ties back to like how toxic cancel culture is and like how we as society have come to like we've come to kind of like we've used social media as a measurement of how much we care when that's not the case. Like there are people that are reserved, right? And people who aren't as vocal on social media, but are vocal in person. And I feel like that speaks far more volumes than, you know, someone who just like randomly posts a statistics on their social media without any, like without any resources, without anything on their bio or something like that. Yeah, that's what I don't like. I think Wendy made the really good point about saying like adding your own commentary. It's so easy to repost it and just kind of almost like it's like, you know, you wash your hands away, like you wash your conscience away. It's like, you know, I did my quote unquote part, but then um, you just ask these people to provide some commentary on it. Just like, okay, so what have you heard about what's happening? Like, do you know about, for example, the verified um, donation pages for these families, right? The ones who have been affected, for example, the sons who lost their mother during the Atlanta attack. He created yeah. like that whole GoFundMe and he was talking about it. Like, like you would ask him, like, do you, are you actually aware of what's happening in this whole situation right now? Or are you just kind of posting it? Because again, you want to clear your conscience and, and again, show that, you know, you're not like ignorant. I, I am following along to it, but then it's, again, it's just so easy to post it and not actually really care and really think about it. That's what the, it was very much like clear with like the whole uh, BLM thing. And I, that's why I'm, I like seeing the people who are posting about like the, um, about the hate crimes right now with Asian hate crimes. At least it's clear to me, it's just like, these are the people who are actually passionate about it because again, they provide like some commentary and all that stuff because, and because there's no, none of that, you know, that pressure, that bandwagoning to kind of get on top of it too. So mm-hmm. I just hope that that means people are paying it better attention now. They're not just trying to like skip through the stories or like, oh, okay, another infographic, but they'll actually click on it and be like, oh, this is something new that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Right? Definitely. Yeah. I feel like we've been talking for a while. How can we end this on a high note? On yeah. like what we can do to help. Well, good fact. Well, another just another fact is that um, the fund, the GoFundMe page for a grandmother who got attacked was like it's it's said on media to be like one of the fastest GoFundMe growth fundraisers. Yay. So, in light of that, you know, that's like one one good point. You know, yeah. um, unfortunate events, but then bringing 
communities all around the world together to be aware of the situation and, and like doing input in and um yeah donating and yeah even when you you two put a episode podcast or youtube maybe even putting in description comment on like the links to some yeah. um, the gofundme like victims and, and local wise mm-hmm. in canada as well helping and, and everything also like on a high note too the, um the gofundme for i believe um like correct my pronunciation if i'm wrong but hyun jung kim um the, 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 the mom. yeah Our the sons yeah they actually yeah. um they initially only was looking to raise thirty thousand i believe twenty thousand i believe but now they've already reached, now, right? no it's 2.5 million oh, yeah. Dude, million. Yeah. i i'm like amazing. that's amazing and wow. um that being said all of our links will be down below um to help and all the gofundmes and all of the resources to educate yourself and to learn more about the situation it will be down below in our description mm-hmm. box in our um in our youtube uh, but yeah, honestly, I think the best thing to do right now is just, just like, you know, inform yourself, um, yeah. understand the situation. And uh, one of the best things is to, you know, connect with, if you're not, if you're not Asian, connect with your Asian friends and to see how they're coping right now and like to see yeah. how their mental health is. Yeah. Um, and to just open that conversation about, mm-hmm. you know, it's really nice to just start this conversation because I feel like um, within the Asian community specifically, we don't really like to talk about our issues that much. And as what Angela said, we're very, we learn to be reserved. We learn to be, you know, quiet, very um, like we keep things to ourselves. And I feel like right now is a perfect time to really reach out to your Asian friends and to just, you know, tell them that it's okay to talk about this out loud. And it's, and that this is an open space without any judgment to yeah. learn more about the situation that's going on right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and just but, a quick note to that, like I challenge your viewers and listeners to, yes, like educating yourself is, is a great first step, but to, as Albert mentioned, talk to someone about what you learn because that opens mm-hmm. up to a ripple effect of conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... That being said, thank you so much, Angela and Gaia, for being here on our very first podcast. <laughs> I know. Thank um, you for having us. No, thank you. But um, I yeah. know this was a very heavy and sensitive topic, and we hope to invite you in the future for more lighthearted topics. But yeah, if you um, if you enjoyed this podcast. Um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, follow us on all of our social media platforms, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and click that notification bell to get updated on all of the latest things that we're going to be posting, as well as to uh, follow us on Spotify and Apple Music. But until then, um, I'm Albert. And I'm Wendy. <laughs> and thank you for joining us on this episode of An Asian Anthology. Woo! Yeah.